Let's get our Bibles ready. For your goodness and power and your love, take all the glory, all the glory, oh Lord. Last week we began to look at priesthood. If you do remember, and I introduced from Revelation chapter number 1 verse 6, where the Bible gets to tell us how the Lord Jesus made us kings and priests unto God the Father, and to Him be the glory, dominion, now and forever. The Bible tells us how we have been made kings and priests, and last week we began to look at the subject of priesthood, and we shared... uh, a whole interesting dynamic of uh, you know being a priest altogether, and uh, we did make mention how priesthood is very very vital. And as, as a priest, you need to have a gift, uh, uh, and also you know uh, offer your prayers, which is received as incense and many other things. But today we're going to look at the other side of what we have been made to become. We're not looking at priests, but we're going to be looking at the kingship side of uh, our calling and our identity. Somebody say, I am a king. It doesn't matter whether you're female or male. That's, it's a position. Kingship is a position. Yeah. Queens, queens are only in Satanism. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, when you pray for someone, they say, I'm a queen. <laughs> oh, my goodness, that was a joke. <laughs> anyway, um, like I said, Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 says, We have been made priests, uh, kings and priests unto God. In First Peter chapter number 2 and verse 9, the Bible tells us that you are a chosen generation and you are a royal priesthood. Alright, a royal priesthood. That simply means you are both a king and you are both, or you're both a king and a priest altogether. Now, in Romans 5 verse 17, the Bible also gets to show us our relevance and uh, our posture and position as a king. In Romans 5 verse 17, the Bible says, By one man's offense, death reigned through that one. Okay, we know who that man was. It's, it's Adam's offense. Then it says, Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through that one, Jesus Christ. So the Bible tells us that there is something that Adam did that caused death to reign throughout. 
but there is something that Jesus did that caused life to reign. But not only does it cause us to uh, uh, experience life, the life and the workings of Jesus brought us to a place that we should become kings, we should become royalty, we should become a people that are to reign in life. And that's why the Bible says, such a people should reign in life. Reigning is for kings. Amen and amen. Reigning is for rulers. And uh, one of the things you observe that the Bible tells us before reigning, it says, number one, you need to receive the abundance of grace. And then the next thing you need to receive is the gift of righteousness. Okay? The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. What is the abundance of grace? The abundance of grace is obviously the capacity and endowment, the access that God, you know, gives unto us. Then the gift of righteousness is our positioning. To be righteous is to be in a perfect or in a right standing with God. So when you receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, it simply means once you've become righteous, it's like when you stand before God, God says, yes, this that I'm looking at, I am seeing royalty. I am seeing somebody, somebody that's perfect. I'm seeing somebody that is qualified. So because we received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, then the Bible says you should reign in life. And that's what makes you and I kings. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I am a king. Yeah. Some, it's, it's very, very vital to understand, not only understand, but accept such truth over your life. Because the moment you accept such truth and take it as your personal revelation, it affects your posture and your outlook. It affects how you talk. It affects how you walk. It affects everything about you. That's why you observe anyone that is born into the royal family, everything about them changes. They don't talk the way you talk. They don't eat the way you eat. They don't, even, even their laugh. It's not ki, 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 ki. No, <laughs> it's a different one altogether. <laughs> amen and amen. <laughs> they, they'll laugh and maybe put like a hanky. Why? Because royalty does, makes an utterance or rather a change to every aspect about you everything so if you are if you have been made kings and priests if you have been made royalty by jesus it simply means your posture should be that of heaven your talking your dressing everything about you should be heavenly heavenly amen and amen amen so since you are a king your next challenge is do you live as a king that's the next challenge we obviously need to get to ask you. You're a king, but do you live as one? Amen and amen. Let me give you a, a few brief realities and facts that you can uh, understand about your kingship or about kings. Number one, a king is not elected, he is appointed. Hi. Amen and amen. I don't know if you're maybe let me let, let me let me go a little bit deeper into this when i say a king is not elected is not is, a, is not appointed it simply means if you were a king no one had to vote you into power amen and amen 
It's God who appointed you and established you in that position. That simply means if your neighbor doesn't like you, if your neighbor feels that you're not fit to be a king, that's, that's nothing that, there is nothing they can do to change your position. Amen and amen. There is nothing they can do to change your position. Because you are not elected. And you have to understand, everyone that is elected has a term of office for a period. It could be three years, it could be five years. But have you observed, when we look at Romans 5 verse 17, it tells us such a person should reign in life. So what is your time life, or what is your lifespan here? That's your time for reigning. In fact, your life begins when you get born again. It doesn't begin when at 40. The moment you get born again, that's when life begins. That's your time for reigning. Amen and amen. Glory to God. So kings that are appointed, they are not elected. It simply also means uh, you cannot be put out of power. Anyway, number two, kings function in certain spheres. Okay, they have spheres of functioning, all right? We have kings around the world, all right? But in as much as we have kings around the world, those kings have a certain area of influence, a certain place of influence. They don't just function everywhere. The, queen, the king of Swaziland has, has, has his, you know, limits that same site, you know? doesn't extend you know uh, limits anywhere else and you need to understand as a king you also have you know uh, areas in which you function by all right the first area or the first sphere that you function by is your own life that's why the bible says you should reign in life <laughs> that's the first area uh, obviously the other areas are those where god would give you obviously by spiritual delegation, uh, so to say. Praise be to God. And number three, the last reality of a king is that a king must reign. He must reign. He must reign. A king must rule. A king must rule. He shouldn't be rude. A king must rule. He shouldn't be rude. Amen and amen. So, one of the key factors of functioning as a king is that such a person must rule and reign. So, if you are not reigning in life, if you are not ruling, then you are not responding to the core of the kingship over your life. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to give you four points, and these four points are what I'm calling today the functions of a king. How should a king function? The functions of a king. I'm going to give you four points, and all these are... are uh, I can just say four P's of the function of, the, of a king. Number one, a king is a planner. He's a strategist. He's a planner. In Luke chapter number, in Luke chapter number 14 and verse 31, the Bible tells us about how we are taught on planning. Now in Luke 14 verse 21, the Bible says, what about a king? If he wants to go for war, does he not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? 20, so you will notice that there is something that a king...
king needs to do he needs to strategize he needs to plan before he carries out anything before he does something significant he has to be a great planner before he goes for war he has to plan before he carries out something he has to plan even before he brings out a solution he has to plan amen and amen in short a king a king is not permitted to be stranded with ideas a king is not permitted to be stranded with plans and strategies because whatsoever strategy the king has to give uh, surely <laughs> such a thing would happen uh, the Bible in 2nd Kings tells us how uh, one of the kings was 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 making a strategy against one nation but even though that king was making a strategy against a nation the Bible tells us how the prophet Elisha <laughs> would expose the plans of that of that king and the king got frustrated said, but I'm making plans why is someone how is someone knowing these things all right so it's by default that a king has to be a planner ask your neighbor are you a planner yeah did you plan your year have you planned your week have you planned your month that will show whether you're a king or a servant I'm telling you, have you noticed those of you who've tested the work, the work, you know, environment? They, your bosses plan for you. So okay, lelo, tienda, tienda ukarimba farm. Tienda sasa ukarimba farm. Okay, no, after two minutes, tienda They plan for you. Why? You are the employee. Takwat, no, I'm a king. There, no. Amen and amen. They plan for you. They, they tell you where to go. They tell you what time to come. They tell you what time to knock off. Uh, sometimes even though you are supposed to knock off at 17 hours, they'll tell you sit behind. <laughs> and why do you sit? They are kings. <laughs> amen and amen. And they plan it out for you. Praise be to God. So a king has to be a planner. And that's why you will notice something about a king. He never has to be stranded. He already has a plan. That's why the Bible tells us how the Lord is a serious master planner. It's in his kingship. It's in his kingship, you know, <laughs> realm and uh, uh, nature that he is a planner. How? The Bible tells us how Satan finally manages to convince man and woman to fall, you know, from where they are. And, you know, they eat of the fruit. And obviously Satan is going to think, ah, I've done it all. Because these guys have eaten of the fruit and uh, or rather of the tree and uh, what's going to happen to them is that if they're going to have any children <laughs> I'll make sure or rather if they're going to be ha have any children by default every child is going to be born a sinner and every child is going to be born from from the realm of death and he thinks he's done it all but because God is a master planner he's a serious master planner he tells us in his word that he slain he, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world he had it all figured out a solution for mankind amen and amen he knew even how to plan the universe he starts by let there be light he doesn't say let the fish appear or let man appear it was going to be dark but what does he do he first introduces light praise be to god and makes every other thing fall into place so a king must be a planner 
So you have to be a planner. If you are a king and planning is absent from your life, introduce it inside of you or rather in, 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 in your life because it is a must that a king must be a planner. Number two, a king has to be a provider. Amen and amen. A king has to provide. What does a king provide? A king provides... Uh, what can I say? A king provides resources. A king provides solutions. A king provides, you know, many things altogether. And that's why you observe whenever people were in need in the old days under a king, they would go to the place or the palace of the king and they'll say, Dear king, we want this. Dear king, we want that. Dear king, uh, we need provision of food. If it's food, if it's not food, we need provision of wisdom. Okay, there was a time where two people went to Solomon and said, Ah, this woman has stolen my baby. And this other one said, No, this one is my baby. This one is my baby. And they wanted the king to sort that out. And the king needed to provide a solution. You know, uh, it, it, it in that regard in the same way he provides needs that should be you know uh, available to those that are under him food must be present this must be present that's why you observe have you observed this have you observed that a time when the famine was coming all right the vision did not come to joseph it came to pharaoh the vision of the famine did not come to Joseph, it came to Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh has the responsibility as a king to provide and change a solution. It's not for Joseph. It's not for Joseph. So people guys are in a dream. And then the man used to dream, obviously. But this is how sometimes God even uses people. You find that he's dreamt and then he's he says okay i had a dream but this one mm -mm. do you know that even in the time of nebuchadnezzar he was having dreams <laughs> why because that that's the position that position demands to provide and so when when pharaoh had a dream amen and amen when pharaoh had a dream he demanded that there is an interpretation for that and we thank God there was a man who had a gift. And the man who has a gift will always have access to the king. Joseph had that gift and went to the king and had access. And the king heeded to the voice of the man who was gifted. Now I love the fact that God has both made us kings and gifted ones. It simply means we have access and we are the access. Mm. But anyway... The king should be a provider. Number three, the king should protect. The king should protect. It's his responsibility. He's a chief in command. He's, he should be the one to make sure that the inhabitants of the land are protected. Protected from harm, protected from whatsoever. That is the responsibility of a king praise be to God now you observe something you observe that in the Old Testament kings usually would have advisors not only would they have advisors they would have they would sometimes consult prophets 
and sometimes certain decisions that they would want you know uh, to make they will ensure or they will ensure they get the right counsel and ensure that the safety you know of the people is guaranteed here and there and the Bible tells us one day there was a king by the name of Balak Balak was a king of Moab all right now when Balak wanted to penetrate or fight against Israel what did he do he hired a prophet by the name of Balaam amen and amen he hired a prophet by the name of Balaam and what 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 he asked Balaam to do is that I know you are a prophet so I want you to speak against Israel I want you to curse Israel and Balaam knew he was a prophet but he just said ah, you know what that 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 way is impossible uh, I cannot you know uh, curse Israel it's not possible he even begins to say no enchantment or curse <laughs> shall be upon Israel yeah that came from Balaam just in case you know. yeah yeah he says nothing you know he, he declares that but Balaam says but wait a minute we can work around this what we can do is that we can teach Israel a way we can teach Israel a doctrine we can teach Israel misbehaving <laughs> we can teach them a certain way to handle things and Balaam you know was responsible for teaching and making the Israelites be exposed to falsehood but you see, it's the job of the king to protect his people from falsehood. It's the job of the king to protect his people from things penetrating. That's why, have you observed, it is God who will tell Saul to kill everything that is perverse. He'll say, when you go for war, kill everything. He'll tell Saul. Why? Because Saul is the king. He's not going to tell the army or whatsoever. He will tell so. So if the army does not kill, God will come to so. Why aren't you kidding? And then so will try to say, no, we brought them back so that we can offer sacrifices for you. And God will say, no, 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 no. You were meant to protect my people from corruption. So you need to listen that obedience is better than sacrifice. I fired you out. You can't protect my nation. can't why he he was supposed to protect that's why most of the kings that failed to protect nations they were dethroned the Bible tells us of a man by the name of Solomon he felt he, he failed to protect his nation what did he do he allowed himself to marry people that he was not supposed to marry and those same women are the ones that taught him how to build altars for Baal and that's how idol worship penetrated why because the king if the king passes a decree <laughs> it's like the way Shadrach Misha, it's like in the time of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego the king will say everyone bow to the golden image or to the to the image and everyone has to bow. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, 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 we are not going to bow. The king said, okay, if you're not going to bow, I'm going to put you in fire. And when the king noticed that these guys are not dying from fire, he changed his decree and he says, anyone 
who doesn't worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego will deal with you. He changes. <laughs> Praise be to God. So he's a, he's a shield. He is a first line of defense. He is a last line. He is a first line of offense and a last line of defense. Hallelujah. This should make you understand that you as a king, there's a responsibility. What are you guarding in your life? What are you guarding in your family? There are certain things you should not permit to enter. I remember it's like a month ago that I noticed a witch in my encounter trying to enter the life of one of my dearly beloved family members. And I, I saw the witch entering with a very big knife and I said, where are you going? And the witch says, no, I'm going for it. I said, you are, where? And I'm here. Tear out. No, Shansha. And, and I remember in that same encounter, you know, there are certain encounters, very strange. But I know that happened. And I said, the next time you come back, I'll kill you. That's what I said. Glory to God. That's what a king does. Protects. Protecting from falsehood. Protecting from penetration from the enemy. Protecting from every other kind of, of thing that should not come. The number four, the last thing a king does is that he possesses. You see, it is in the system of a kingdom that a kingdom should expand. But for a kingdom to expand, you have to learn how to possess. Hallelujah. And that's why Israel, because it will start in one area, but it will tell you Judah, Tien, Uko, possess. This side to go there, possess. You have to learn how to possess. And so for a king to function as a possessor, he needs to learn how to fight. That simply means a king is exposed to a life of battles. Did you know that kings would go for war? The Bible. They would go for war. Of course, not in front. <laughs> Ooh, they would be on the hills. <laughs> so that the people may look up to them. <laughs> but they would go for war. That's why in those days, kings used to be captured. Because they used to go for war. Some would be captured, others would cut off their toes, their nails, their what. But a king has to learn to possess. No wonder you will notice David in Psalms chapter 18 verse 34. He says, you train me for battle, O Lord, that I may bend even a bow of steel. He says, you train me. Being a king has to learn how to fight. Hallelujah. But in as much as a king needs to learn how to fight, you need to understand it is in your responsibility to possess certain things. You need to understand how to take things by force sometimes. They're violent. <laughs> a king also needs to be violent in those areas. He needs to be responsible. Have you observed the Bible tells us in first, that should be second Samuel chapter 2 verse 1, that there was a, uh, not 2, yeah, chapter 2 verse 11, the Bible tells us that there was a time that David had to go for war, but he didn't go for war. He decided to stay home. Is home evil, saints of God? No. But when responsibility demands and cause and you decide to withdraw from it, you allow a penetration of things that might affect your life. 
So David decided not to go for war. And when he decided to go for war, instead of going to see victory, he went to see Bathsheba. And when he saw Bathsheba, yeah, it penetrated. Problems penetrated his life. Because of that simple decision, he lost his own child, a, a child, biological son. Even fasting failed to bring out that problem because of lack of responsibility. Praise be to God. So as a king, you need to understand that there's a place in your life where sometimes you need to do some warfare. Remember as a king in the Old Testament, they would, they would mobilize troops and say, let's go and fight. But for now, us who have been made kings and queens, oh, oh, not queens, yeah, kings and priests, we are not necessarily going to mobilize you. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes you can say, Dikon Sam, come and stand with me. Let's go as two kings. Let's go and destroy here and there. Let's go and possess. But sometimes if Dikon Sam is not there, you say, oh Lord, arise, dispatch your angels for my sake. We are going for war. Amen and amen. And when that happens, you are able to cause change. You should be a change, a, a, a maker of change. Hallelujah. Now, as I've explained all these four points, I want to conclude by showing you something that's very, very vital. If a king is a planner, if a king is a provider, if a king is a protector, and if a king is a possessor, then the king needs at least two things. For his planning and for his provision, he needs wisdom and counsel. And then for his fighting or his protection and for his possession, he needs power. That's why Jesus is called the power and wisdom of God. Hey. Amen and amen. So he's described as the power and wisdom of God. He's the perfect priest and the perfect king, having everything all together. Do you know that there were certain people that took up positions of kings at very young ages? I'll give an example. Hezekiah. Hezekiah became a king at 25 years old. All right. Uh, there was another person by the name of Uzziah. All right. The one you like quoting wrongly in scripture. Uzziah became king at 16. 16. All of you are above 16. But you're refusing to become an usher. <laughs> no, it's too big for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's someone who's not above 16. Okay. All right. <laughs> it is well. All right. Yeah, but, but then there is another king. All right. One of the youngest in the Bible. His, his name is Joash. The, the young man <laughs> became a king at the age of seven. Yeah. A king of Israel at the age of seven. Seven years old, he was a king. But I want, to see what, I want you to notice what is written about uh, Joash in 2 Kings chapter two, 12 and verse 2. It says, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada was the priest whom instructed him so the bible is telling us something 
It's telling us this King Joash did right things. This King Joash was in a right state of mind. He was a good king. He did what was great all the days of his life. But he did so because he had a priest in his life whom he heeded instruction to. So that priest was there as a teacher, but not only as a teacher, but also there to empower him. Amen and amen. So Joash had Jehoad, they call him Jehoad, not Johanna, Jehoada. <laughs> amen. He had, he had someone, he had someone. He had the ministry of a priest in his life. Ask your neighbor, who do you have? Amen and amen. So it's time for us to get to a place where we walk in serious kingship, where we are serious strategies, strategists rather. When problems come to you as a king, don't, don't say, ah, but it's because you're a king. You need to strategize. I'm telling you, that's how it should be. You need to strategize and say, okay, we're going to use this formation. We'll use the cow horn formation. Or we'll use this, this, and that. Eh? Even Shaka plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a provider. Huh? You need to be a provider of solutions. Kings don't, kings don't just sit and they say, okay, Shana. They need to provide solutions. That's why a woman in Luke chapter number 18 followed the king and said, I want justice for my enemies. The king was saying, Yenda, she, she held his leg. <laughs> I want justice for my enemies. You have the answer. You have the answer. Amen and amen. Until the king provided that. So yes, God expects of you to plan on this earth to provide things for your family, for your sphere of conduct and every area in your life that requires you uh, to reign and also to protect. Your protection is very, very vital. Protect, protect yourself from false doctrines. Protect yourself from wrong ways. Protect yourself from bad boys. Protect yourself from bad things. Protect. That's the king side of you. Amen and amen. And lastly, possess. The, possess. the possession of a king is the place of expansion. Today I'm driving one car. Tomorrow I'm going to drive another car. Tomorrow I'm in this, I'm doing this course. I'm getting a degree here. Tomorrow I'll get an... That's the expansion of the king side of you. Amen and amen. That's possessing. Eh? Not possessing other people's shanies. <laughs> you know, the Lord, the uh, pastor says, whatever I stand on, I will possess. You stand in someone's marriage, you will not possess anything except hell. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So let's rise to our feet. <laughs>